2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray that you would help us by your Holy Spirit as you take your word, your holy, inerrant, infallible word and plant it deep in our hearts and bring about life transformation for the glory of our Christ, in whose name that we pray, amen. You may be seated. On belay, belay on. I can remember those words in seventh grade in the outdoor program at the school that I went to, Baylor School in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they were teaching us about rock climbing. And so the question that the rock climber asked first is on belay? And the partner who's standing on the ground says, belay on. And those are critical words in the communication and the safety in rock climbing. One of the writers on a, a trip or vacation magazine, Stuart Green wrote about safe rock climbing and he wrote about these commands and he said, belaying refers to a variety of techniques used to keep tension on a climbing rope so that in case of mishap, a climber does not fall very far before being stopped by the rope. On belay is the voice command issued by your climbing partner to indicate he or she is prepared to keep the tension of the rope as you climb, thereby ensuring your safety. He goes on to say, just remember that when you tell the other climber that he is on belay, you are now on duty and must be an attentive belayer. Remember that belaying is always a serious matter. Do not be distracted. Pay attention to the climber. Well, there's a direct connection between the safe and successful advance of the rock climber and the climbing partner's seriousness and attentiveness on the ground, or rather the partner's faithfulness to his duty on the ground. And in the same way, 
there's a direct connection between prayer and the advance of the gospel, between prayer and the accomplishment of God's will. Paul saw this direct connection, and in Romans chapter 15, verses 30 to 32, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. He also said in Philippians chapter one, verses 18 and 19, yes, and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. In 2 Corinthians chapter one, verse 11, he tells the Corinthian church, you must also help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Paul saw the prayers of the people of God as the appointed means that God was gonna bring grace to the world, that God was going to accomplish his purposes in the world, that prayer is God's appointed means to bring about his purposes. In Philemon, verse 22, Paul says, at the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I'm hoping that through your prayers, I will be graciously given to you. Well, in this passage in 2 Thessalonians, as we turn the corner and head towards the end of the book, Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us. And this is in the imperative, this is a command. And what I want us to see in this text is three things. Number one, the command to pray. Number two, the confidence in prayer. And number three, the catalyst for prayer. Let's look first at the command. Verse one, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. This is in the imperative. This is a command that is a continuous action. Pray for us and keep praying for us. John Piper helps us with this connection when he says this. He says, not only has God made the accomplishment of his purposes hang on the preaching of the word, but he has also made the success of that preaching hang on prayer. God's goal to be glorified will not succeed without the powerful proclamation of the gospel. Can we get an amen? And that gospel will not be proclaimed in power to all nations 
without the prevailing, earnest, faith-filled prayers of God's people. This is the awesome place of prayer in the purpose of God for the world. That purpose won't happen without prayer. And that's why it's commanded. It's a command to the church to pray. And Paul says, pray, I want you to pray for several things. He says, first of all, I want you to pray for the progress of the gospel. And secondly, I I want you to pray for the protection of the missionaries, the missionary team. Pray for us, pray for our protection. Let's look first at the prayer for the progress of the gospel. Paul says this, finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. That's the first thing, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead. The word that's used here is that it would quickly run forward. So it could be used of someone running forward or it could be used as a A metaphor is a picture of something making great progress, speedy progress, and that's the picture that Paul uses here. He says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead, and secondly, that it may be honored as happened among you. It's interesting that If we pray for those on the front lines, for the missionaries and for the progress of the gospel, many times we're praying reactively, right? We hear that there's a problem, that somebody's in trouble, that somebody needs help, and so we pray reactively rather than proactively and preventatively. We're not praying for their support on the front lines. We're just praying when they're in trouble, when they need help. Chuck Lawless said this. He said, how dare we send them out and not pray for them until we hear that there's a problem. Paul says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run quickly ahead and be honored as happened among you. What does he mean by as happened among you? He's, he's talking about what, what he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. He says, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. And in verse 6, he says, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. And also in verses nine to 10, he says, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. The word had a powerful effect among these people at Thessalonica. The word brought about life change. The word brought about conversion. 
The word brought dead people to life, spiritually dead people to life, who turned from them, their sins and put their trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. Pray for the progress of the gospel, that the word of the Lord may speed ahead, that the word of the Lord may be honored as happened among you. And the tense of this is keep on praying. Pray and keep on praying and don't stop praying that the word might keep on running ahead and might keep on being honored. And this is proactive prayer for gospel advance. Let me ask us, how often do we pray like this for gospel advance? Right here in Savannah, in Georgia, in North America, and to the ends of the earth. Are we praying for our missionary partners, our ministry partners like this, that the Lord would grant them great success with the word, that the word would speed ahead and be honored among all people. John Piper says this also, he says, prayer is the walkie-talkie of the church on the battlefield of the world in the service of the word. It's not a domestic intercom to increase the temporal comforts of the saints. It malfunctions in the hands of soldiers who have gone AWOL. It's for those on active duty. And in their hands, it proves the supremacy of God in the pursuit of the nations. When missions moves forward by prayer, Piper says, it magnifies the power of God. When it moves by human management, it magnifies man. You see, God has ordained that we pray. And through the prayers of the people, the power of God is magnified and manifested on the front lines as we pray for those on the front lines. And when we refuse to pray, it's as if we think that the gospel is going to advance by human ingenuity, by human management, by the wisdom of the world. And we don't believe that. We believe that the power of God is how the gospel advances and God has ordained that the power of God be sent to the front lines through the prayers of God's people. But he not only says pray for the progress of the gospel, he says pray for the protection of the missionaries. Notice he says pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you, and that, verse two, we may be delivered from wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. That we may be rescued, that we may be saved from the attack 
from the onslaught of wicked and evil men. See, they were, they were adversaries. Everywhere that Paul and his missionary team went, there were adversaries. There were opponents of the gospel. There were opponents of the gospel that were moved by the ultimate opponent of the gospel, the evil one himself. See, this is a spiritual battle. This is not a flesh and blood battle. This is a spiritual battle. And as the ministers of the gospel are going forth, they're delivering a message that will rescue people and transfer them from darkness into the kingdom of the beloved son. They're going into enemy territory, Satan's enemy territory, and rescuing people out of his grip. So Paul says, pray for us. Pray for our missionary team that we may be delivered. And many times we're not thinking about those on the front lines in that way. We're so concerned with our own comforts and the needs right here at home and we don't remember that there are people on the front lines all over the world like Tim and Vera in Ukraine, who are contending for the faith right there, faithfully proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in a war-torn country where the enemy of souls, the devil himself, is trying to discourage trying to attack the advance of the gospel, trying to keep people from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And they need our prayer support for endurance, for perseverance on the front lines. Are we praying for Tim and Vera? And are we praying for Bill and Vered and Roe and Matan and Devere, who are in a very difficult place proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in a place that, where there are less than 1% of the country in which they serve are believing the gospel. And there's great attacks on the believers firebombs being thrown into the assembly, attacks on those who are being baptized, because again, this is a spiritual battle, and the enemy of souls hates the gospel. And are we praying for those on the front lines for their protection? Paul is saying, pray for us, that we'd be delivered that we'd be saved from the hands of wicked and evil men, for not all have faith. But I want you to notice how Paul prioritized the progress of the gospel even over the protection of the missionaries. That was his focus. Even over his own protection, he was focused on the progress of the gospel. 
But he transitions here. He says, for not all faith, all, not all have faith. And it's both in our context, he's saying, and in your context. Look at what he says. He says, for not all have faith, verse 3, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So the first thing we saw is the command to pray, but secondly, the confidence in prayer, verses 3 to 4. Paul shows us that he has confidence in the character of the Lord, but also confidence in the work of the Lord in the lives of his people. See, not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. The beginning of verse 3, Paul's confidence is in the character of the Lord. Pray for us. We need your prayer support, and we know that God is faithful. He's faithful to hear your prayers. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to us. His character is unchanging, and we can bank on him. We can trust in him. He is unchangeable, immovable, and we can trust him. Paul had confidence in the character of the Lord, but also confidence in the work of the Lord in the lives of his people. Notice he says this, but the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. See, Paul is saying, pray for us, and the Lord is faithful. He's going to establish you, and he's going to guard you as you are dealing in a battle as well. And as you pray for us, God is going to be faithful, and he's going to establish you, and he's going to guard you from the evil one. But also, verse 4, and we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. See, this is a command. Paul says, pray for us. This is an imperative. And he says, and we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. What are these things? Well, we saw it in the past several messages, that you won't continue to be troubled. That was his command. That you won't continue to be troubled, that you won't be deceived, that you will stand firm, that you will hold fast to the teachings, and that you will pray for the progress of the gospel, that you will pray for the protection of the missionaries. Paul is confident in the Lord that they will obey the command that they will do their duty and uphold their responsibility to be on the other end, just like the one at the, the foot of the rock who's on, who is belaying the one who's climbing up the rock. They are faithfully doing their duty for the progress of the rock climber and the safety of the rock climber. Paul is confident that they will remain steadfast in the faith and vigilant in prayer, and not just prayer in general. Notice that it's intentional prayer for gospel advance and missionary protection. 
Several years ago, we had Dr. Chuck Lawless here for one of our missions conferences, and he told the story about Tattoo Mike. He used to go into the prison and, and speak and preach the gospel regularly, and he said every time he went in and he heard the prison doors close behind him, he got nervous. He just, he never got over that sound. He just got a little nervous, and there was a man who had come to faith and who was just a, a, a follower of Christ, a passionate follower of Christ, and he was a big man, and he was loaded with tattoos, and everybody called him Tattoo Mike. And when he saw the look on Dr. Lawless's face, he always recognized that look. It was a look of fear. And he said, in a gruff voice, he said, don't worry, Doc, we got your back. We got your back. And Dr. Lawless always remembered that because it gave him confidence as he went into a place that was pretty scary. There were unbelievers in there. There were believers in there that they were preaching the gospel to, but it was pretty scary and there was no quick and easy way out. But because Tattoo Mike had his back, he was confident when he went in. And Lawless asked the question, he said, do the people who you send out, do the missionaries on the field, do they know that you have their back in prayer? They're out on the front lines and do they know that the church back home has their back? And Lawless says this, he says, we have the privilege and responsibility to raise up missionaries and send them out. We're sending them out into the battle. And if you do that, he says to a group of pastors and church planters, he says, if you do that, watch their back in prayer. Don't send them out unless you're going to watch their back. And then ask them to watch your back too and see what God does. Because what you'll find is those who are on the front lines are usually the ones who are very vigilant in prayer and it is their delight and privilege to pray for their partnering church in the same way and it's a mutual thing, praying for one another. So there's a command to pray and we have a confidence in prayer, a confidence in the character of the Lord and a confidence in the work of the Lord in the lives of his people, that he will give the grace and move in the hearts of his people to pray because that is his ordained means for the gospel to move forward. But finally, notice in verse five, the catalyst for prayer. Paul says this, May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. Now, this is Paul's prayer for the Thessalonians. This is a benediction. It's his prayer. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. A catalyst is something that causes activity or change. It's something that motivates you, that moves you. And what he's saying is, may 
the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ move you and motivate you to do your duty to pray. The love of God. Andrew introduced a new song and what God has done, remembering what God has already done. God's love towards sinners. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrates his love for us. And when we remember what God has done, when we remember the gospel, it is a motivation. So that's what he says first, remember the love of God. Let the love of God be a catalyst for you to pray for missionary advance, for the gospel advance and for the protection of the missionaries. But also the steadfastness of Christ. The love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. And I couldn't help but think of Hebrews chapter 12 where the writer to the Hebrews says this. He says this. Verse one of chapter 12, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And that's what Paul is saying in this. He's saying, may you be encouraged and strengthened and may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. That you would fix your eyes upon Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He endured patiently. And may you endure patiently also as you look to Christ, as you are moved and motivated by the catalyst of the steadfastness of Christ. Now, it's interesting that today, November 6th, is the International Day of Prayer for the persecuted church, for persecuted Christians all over the world. There is an emphasis on prayer for persecuted Christians. And in God's sovereign goodness, even in preparation for our missions conference that is coming up next weekend, this is where we are in the text. A reminder of the command to pray for the progress of the gospel and the protection of the missionaries and that we would have great confidence in prayer because of the character of the Lord and the work of the Lord in the lives of his people and that the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ would be a great catalyst for us when we pray. 
Last year, in our Global Impact Missions Conference, we introduced a prayer emphasis. And it was a six-month prayer emphasis going along with our six-month giving campaign that was kicked off at the conference, where we pray regularly for our ministry partners and our missionary partners all over the world. And so this weekend, we kick off our conference on Friday night with a worship night, and we are going to worship the Lord with passion, and our progress in getting the gospel to the ends of the earth is going to flow out of the worship of God, and that's how it's going to happen all over the world. It's the worship of God, the right worship of God that moves us to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then Saturday... Before the banquet, there will be a special prayer emphasis in the afternoon. And so you can see the schedule. It will be in your bulletin. There's a schedule out in the hallway as well. But if you would, please make sure that you come and be a part of that prayer emphasis because we're going to give you the opportunity to read the updates and the the ministry updates and the prayer needs of all of our missionary partners that we're partnering with financially and through prayer. And we've got their back. We're, we've, we're telling them we've got their back, so let's be faithful in doing our duty as a church, and let's pray vigilantly that the gospel would advance, that our partners would be protected as they labor for the king, and that God would be glorified. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you that you are unchanging, that you are good, that we can count on you. Lord, and thank you for the steadfastness of Christ. Thank you that he patiently endured the suffering, the mocking, and the pain as he bore the wrath of God on behalf of sinners looking to the joy that was set before him, the commendation of the Father, well done, good and faithful servant, and to be seated at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Lord, move us to pray as we ought. Help us to pray as we ought. Pray that you would create in us a new desire even this morning to pray passionately for the spread of the gospel and the protection of our missionary partners. And Lord, for those who are here today who have not yet responded to the good news of the gospel, pray that today that they would hear the message by the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would open blind eyes, grant repentance that leads to life, that you would grant saving faith today, that sinners would be saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.